Amen. Just some notes there. I'll let you get a hold of those first. And also, please turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 31. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 31. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a, a, a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and set them before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. We're doing a series on our mind, on our thinking, and it's more of an obstacle maybe than you have realized. It was certainly when I began looking at this subject many years ago, about 10 years ago, I was shocked at the enormity of it, of how great it was, how all-encompassing it actually was. That God says things like, my character come out of my mind? God says that as I think, that's how I'm going to be. It was huge and far-reaching. And you need to almost step right back and wipe the slate and start again. And say, oh, okay, God, take me from scratch. Let me build my life again from scratch. I know I was born again. But that was just here. That was my spirit. Nothing happened in my mind. And the truth is, even after five years, ten years of being saved. I'm the same person. There's no change. And it's for some point, for every believer, and that's every one of you here, you have to come to the same conclusion. You have to shift the responsibility from here, from your spirit, to here. You have to do what God says. Take His advice. Take His instruction and renew your mind. Do you know what? Listen, look at me, please. I wish the only problem I had was sin. I wish that was it. If it was only sin, the Christian life would be a lot easier. But it's not just sin. Sin is not my only enemy. Sin is not my only obstacle. I've also got this thing called carnality. Now, we've all had chili con carne, right? That's where the word comes from. It's carne. It's it, it, my carnality. It's chili with meat. And carnality doesn't necessarily mean sin. 
It's an important point. You've heard me say that before, but it is an important point, friends, because, as I say, sin is not my only obstacle. The natural me is also an obstacle. The normal me, that's an obstacle too. Just natural thinking, carnal thinking, not necessarily sinful, remember. Do you know what? There are many very godly living, holy people, but they've never transformed their minds. So there's no miracles. They're still carnal, holy but carnal. Sin is not your only problem. The transformation of a mind is a major issue. It's not just living holy. I'll say it again. Plenty of people live holy lives, but do nothing. Nothing. They think it's all about holiness. It's all about walking right with God. Well, of course, that's huge. But you're still not going to do anything. You're still not going to be of any effect in the kingdom. Because there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just defeating sin. There's the renewing of my mind, the changing of my thinking. That's what changes things. You notice when Jesus chose men, he didn't choose holy ones. Abraham wasn't holy. There was loads of godly people in Abraham's day, you know that? And God was looking into the world to find someone. He didn't choose the, the holy of the... Who did he choose? An idol worshiper called Abraham. And then he chose the 12. Look at the 12. There was plenty of righteous religious Pharisees. He didn't choose them, did he? The 12 he chose and Abraham he chose was clear reason, good thinking. People who were going to come out, people who would believe him and be willing to change. That was the criteria. And it's the same for us, you see. We can get this religious mentality. I wish it was just sin for me. And I could overcome that and, and, and grow in God. But that's not all it is. I have a carnal mind. The fact that I'm saved doesn't change that. God doesn't do anything for it. It is my responsibility. This is a key element, a key truth. And for lack of knowledge of this, people perish. I.e., they have the form but not the function i.e. they sit in churches for their whole lives and never actually make an impact in the kingdom. That which we just read there, we read it a thousand times, the miracle of the loaves and fishes. But look at it, hopefully, with a different perspective tonight. Here you've got those who are close to Jesus. The so-called spiritual types. These are not idiots, these are the twelve. And God calls them to him, and for one of the first times, he's, he's been working miracles. They've seen him work miracles. They've been following him. And all oh, well done, Jesus. Praise God. But then all of a sudden he says, now it's your turn. Now you do it. So they come and say, Lord, we need a miracle. Just pass it to Jesus. Just pass it to him. Let him do it. And he says, okay, let's just see how spiritual that mind of yours actually is. You feed them. I think, hang on, it's not how it works, Lord. You feed them. And all of a sudden, they began to realize just how carnal, not talking about sinful, just how carnal they actually were. That when faced with a problem, they, you can see their answers. They looked at it. They looked at the situation. And they go to Jesus, and they give him sort of three you know, options. A, we can send the people home. B, we can take up an offering for 200 penny worth of bread. And, and C was their choice. They said, let's tell him C. It can't be done, Lord. And there it is. You who thought yourself spiritual haven't actually moved a millimeter because you've never changed your mind. And I think that was one of the first days of dawning for them. We need to have that. Their instinct, you see, was just a natural 
a natural progression. It was a natural mind and operation. What do you do when you're faced with a challenge? You got a headache? Paracetamol? <laughs> you got a headache? Is it the carnal that comes out? Or is it the spiritual? Which is it? This issue is so important that Jesus worked this miracle again. He had to bring them back to the same miracle and try to teach them again. And what did they do the second time? Same thing. They hadn't listened. <laughs> they hadn't learned from the first time. He worked the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000. He brought the same people, the same leaders back to the same issue where there's a crowd of people. Now, you feed them. No, couldn't do it. They still had not renewed their mind. Still hadn't changed. When I was in Bible college, one of our lecturers was very difficult to sit under. He used to love to destroy the Bible, to tear it apart. He wasn't saved, you know. And you get a lot of people in Bible college that aren't saved, by the way. He used to tear the Bible apart. And he used to love to say this. See the Bible. You, you can't believe this Bible. There's two instances. For instance, there's the first instance where Jesus calls the people and he works this miracle. And then you just read on, he does the same thing again. And they don't do, are you kidding me? They would have done better than that, wouldn't they? Do you believe that they didn't do it the second time? And people say, oh, I see, so it's just made up, is it? Listen, <laughs> you don't know Christians very well if you think like that. Because let me tell you something. You can give all you have financially tonight and next week not be able to give a penny. Correct? Faith is a funny thing. You can have it one moment and walk out of it the next. It's a battle, a daily battle. And that just proves to me the carnality, the natural nature of these disciples, apostles. They were men, just like you and I, who one week had faith, next week might waver. Needed constant upkeep, and they didn't do it. So far from disproving the Bible, it proves to me a man's a man, and that's that. And I can see myself right in here in these people, right in here in these followers of Jesus. So folks, we need, there's, there's something very fallen about me. There's something very fallen about my thinking. And I've got to recognize that. And I, I restate what I said this morning because it's a crucial point. You have the mind of Christ. Amen? Where is it? It's in my spirit. Don't forget it. Remind yourself of that and, and learn to bring it up. Bring that mind. that This is the exercise here that they failed to do. He gives them a little challenge straight from the brain. Straight from their carnality. Nothing spiritual in it. Trying just to, to show them themselves. You see, these were strong men, by the way. Abraham was strong. All the twelve were strong. Jesus chose twelve strong people. Many of you are very strong. Didn't help them, did it? <laughs> Some of you are very strong people. And you know, you see what, do you know what that did for them? When faced with a problem, do you know what they did? They had a little meeting. Now they could go to the nearby towns. We could collect up the money. Let's figure it out. You see, they were leaders, all right. So they came up with some solutions immediately, but they were all carnal solutions. None of them were spiritual solutions. They hadn't sought God. And many Christians, many of you are strong. You better be careful of that because that strength could be your greatest weakness. It was certainly theirs. They thought, we'll figure this out ourselves. We don't need God in this situation. But many believers are so strong, they're weak. You know, because it becomes a weakness. It defeats them. Right? And we've got to learn to control that. 
I worked with one, I won't say who, but I worked with one very, very, very strong leader with me in a, in a, in a certain city. And we were working together and I, we were in a, in a small place. It was a small church. It was a pioneering situation. And it was very good. There was maybe 10, 15 people. It was early days. But one day God spoke to me. The clearest, the most specific word I've ever had in my life. I've never had anything so detailed as this word. One day God says to me, go to the church and tell the pastor to move. Move from this church and take your church and go to the nearby school. There you will find another church. Tell her to tell the pastor of that church to work with you. Send him to Singapore, train him. And while he's away, you look after both churches. And when he comes back, he'll take over. And then you go back home and you've planted your church. And I'll, oh, anything else? <laughs> I thought, wow. I, I never before, I ne and never since, have I had anything like that. And I, I was sort of a little bit frightened. But I went to the leader, very strong leader. Very strong leader. I said, do you know what? God's spoken to me a really clear message. There's a school. I didn't even know if there was a school. I remember driving to the church and thinking, my God, I hope there's a school. You know? I said, there's a school here and there's a church in it and there's a pastor there. And I, I told her the whole thing. She was strong. And man, she sat there and she looked at me and she said, there's no church in that school. I know that school. There is a school. There's no church in there. I said, all right. I think God said that to me. Maybe I'm wrong then. So I left it. The next day, Monday, afternoon, phone call. It's her. I just got a leaflet through the door. There's a church in the school. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So I said, well, what, you know, what are you going to do? Well, I'll get back to you on it. Think about it. So strong. Did she obey that word? No. She decided to pioneer. A few weeks went by and she said, no, I've decided not to do that. And I remember being absolutely confounded by that. And months went by and we moved on to a different city. But after the time went by, I remember looking back and thinking, my, your strength killed you. Because she ended up out of ministry after that. Your, you wouldn't even let God instruct your steps. And one of the things I remember she said to me was, Michael, you, you're not the leader here. I said, I know, it's not my fault. I didn't ask God to speak to me. <laughs> you know, she said, well, God, God will speak to me. I said, well, maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. And he has spoken. He spoke to me. Now, you've got a problem. There's nothing I can do about that. Unwilling to drop that strength. Unwilling to receive help from God. Want to do it myself. And the, the things that the disciples, the apostles here, offer to Jesus are all things that they can do themselves. It's just plain old carnality. It's everywhere. And we wonder why we don't have miracles. Do you need a miracle? You need a miracle? Amen. Nobody? <laughs> Every hand goes up. Come on. I need loads of miracles. And here's a lesson from Christ himself. You want to know how to, work into, how to walk into a miracle? Here it is. It begins by overcoming this mind of mine for anything, be that financial, physical, healing, whatever it is. Breakthrough, demonically. The answer is here, I mean, tied up in this parable, the, a step-by-step -step progress. If you look at your notes, the first thing that Jesus told them to do, point one tonight, and it's a simple thing. Pastor Eli has already mentioned it. 
He taught them to appreciate what they had. The first thing he said to them is, go and gather up the bread. They knew there was bread there. But they were so little that they despised it. It wasn't enough. It was that penny. It was crumbs. And this, believe me, this is from cover to cover of your Bible, this is a miracle stopping problem. What is? Not appreciating what you've got. Thinking of things is too small. Remember in the Old Testament, you had the widow and Elijah walks up to the widow and he, he says to her, what have you got? What did she say? Nothing. First word out of her mouth, nothing. But that word brought light to her and she started to think that. For the first time in her life, she recognized a small thing. She said what she'd always said. I am nothing. I'll always be in poverty. I've got nothing. What have you got? Elijah said, but it wasn't like any other word. It was a prophetic word that brought light with it. So for the first time, I've got that. Oh, hang on. That's not actually true. And the light comes on, carnal thinking. For the first time, she said, oh, actually, Elijah, I happen to have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. There's your miracle stopping problem. You didn't see that. You didn't appreciate that. And how, how mighty God is, really, when you think of Jesus Christ sitting there, the Son of God down on earth, and what does he say? Gather up the bread. How humble is that? Gather up the bread, and you need to learn to thank God, no matter how little it might seem, to thank God for it. That was the first lesson. That was the first step. Do you know what? You know, for that miracle, you put your hand up a second ago and said, I need a miracle. Do you know for that miracle, you have it. You're just not using it. It's not in something outside of yourself. You've already got it. You've got faith, amen? You're born again, right? Well, there's nothing else you need other than to change your mind, of course. Other than to get out of carnal thinking. The answer is not out there. The answer is an internal change in me. Stop, you know, looking outside of myself and realize I've got to change my mind. Or Elijah and the servant, remember when the battle was on and they're standing there and that servant couldn't see. And Elijah was saying, Lord, open his eyes and change his thinking. Let him see this as it really is. This doesn't just go for finance or anything else. You need to appreciate everything that God has given you. Every single thing. And start to use that, to utilize it and then you'll see things prosper in your life. But people despise things. Despise having maybe a little bit of money and think that's so small, I wouldn't even bother giving. Uh, uh, hang on. Despise a little bit of it, or despise your gifting. Happens all the time. I lived with a guy once, I sh shared a house with him, and he, he wasn't functioning, he, was, he could do anything, absolutely anything in the church. And he was you know, doing it all the time. And one day he said to me, you know, what do you think my gift is? And he wasn't functioning right in, in all of his life. But I said, listen, friend, your gift is the gift of helps. <laughs> You're fantastic in that. Well, you would have thought I'd punched him or something. He was greatly offended at that. He thought that's, it was too little. I remember being a little bit frightened. I said, you know what? I, I wouldn't want to have that attitude to anything that God had given me. What's your gift? Don't despise it. It's a miracle-stopping problem. Do you know the man who had one talent? What did he do? Hit it because it was too small. The person with 10 puts it to work. Don't despise small things, but realize therein it will stop miracles, plain and simple. So the first thing you see Jesus teach them is, is, is 
to appreciate everything that you have. The second thing was to receive vision from God. And I know this is something that we've looked at before. I make no apology for bringing it up again because on Friday night in here, man, I, I could almost feel this word alive and kicking in me. I was looking up. <laughs> the word is anoblepo, by the way. It, it, it's, it's where it, the word in the scripture there, it says, and Jesus took the bread, right? And it says he looked up. And the word there is anoblepo in the Greek. And it means not that he looked. Do you know what it means? He received sight. So you, do you get the picture? You've got a problem. You need a miracle. And here's Jesus in the midst of that. And he's teaching them how to get a miracle. Teaching them how to receive from the Father. So what does he do? Number one, hey boys, hey disciples, first appreciate that bread. Get me the bread. The stuff you despised, gather it up, bring it here. That's your first lesson. Secondly, what do you do now you've got it? Look up. Anablipo. Not to see, but to receive. And the word means to receive sight. Right? And Jesus took the bread, lifted it up with thanksgiving, and that word means that he received from the Father his miracle. He received, what, what did he say? I, uh, I do nothing except what I see the Father do, right? In all situations. So he was walking in a knowledge of what God, his Father, was doing. And there's your key. In any situation that you find yourself in, if you, now I don't know if you've experienced anoblepo. I don't know if you've ever received sight in a situation. I have. On a couple of very distinct situations, I have literally lifted my head and received into myself. In, in both cases, it was dire need. In the first instance was I was preaching on the street. And this guy came out. Now, I worked in a mental hospital, as you know, for, for five years. I worked on a locked ward and worked with violent men. So I know how to control violent behavior, how to get people down and not hurt them and all that. So we were preaching away, and this guy comes, and he's a madman, an absolute lunatic. And he's screaming and coming at us. Oh, God. But my training and my experience, I knew this. I can't cope. I can't take this guy. I can't get him. He's going to take me right out. I'm going to get headbutted. I cannot get this. So what do you do? The first thing, I had a, a, a team of Vietnamese girls with me as evangelists. And the first thing I said to them was, get away from me. Just get, get away. Move. And they did. Because I was frightened he was going to just knock one of them flying, you know. And I tried to draw him in and bring him, you know, with me. But I was looking at him and thinking, well, here goes. And just for a second, before I was getting ready to receive that headbutt, <laughs> Just for a second, you know what I did? In sheer panic, this is the middle of a busy street. I looked up. I looked up. I said, God, <coughs> God. I could feel the Lord come into me. I could feel that. Anna Bleeple receiving the hand of the Father in a situation of trial. And do you know what happened? I was looking at this guy and a shadow came across us. And we both turned and looked up. And there was a monster of a man a ginormous man with you know big big massive belly that started under his chin you know it was huge I looked up at him and he spoke and he looked down at us and he said I'm born again Hi, oh, praise God I'm born again and I'm on his side and the, the madman just started to, he kept on shouting but this time he was walking backwards hallelujah and off he went, and I, I, it was actually a pastor 
And I, I went, went to hear him preaching, actually, in a church in Cardiff. He had only just arrived in the city. They were doing a church planting thing. He was huge. Praise God. And oblipo. Need a miracle, and I need it now. Another situation, there was another madman, this time a very famous, crazy guy who had done a lot of damage to a lot of pastors. Put a couple of them in the hospital. He broke nine windows in our church one day. This guy was crazy. And he gathered the, our, our, our youth club up. And he had a load of box files, which he said were full of information about me. You know, all things I'd done, I'd embezzled this and I'd been in trouble with the law, but, you know, pretending they were all in the box. He gathered the youth up. You know when something makes you feel sick? You're that worried about it, you feel sick? I walked out of our church one day, there was this man with all of the youth. There was about 17, 20 youth or something like that, comes over and he starts to shout, I have proof against you. I've got it right here. Everything you've done. And I just felt sick. Do you know why? All the youth were looking with, 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 with broken hearts because we had taken them in. These were guys, many of them without a dad. And they sort of looked up to us in that place. I felt sick to my gut. And the devil's wicked. And I could see their faces looking. You can tell me this is not true. We hope this is not true. But this guy was right once again. He's a very strong individual in every way. Dangerous man. And I'm standing with my back against the church door and he's right here screaming in my face and I did the same thing again. Oh God, look up. But it's, it's not a word this time, more I guess it's a word, what you call it, a word of wisdom, not a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom is when you hear something you don't know. Sorry, a word of knowledge is when you're told something you don't know. A word of wisdom is when you hear what to do. Okay, they're different. And I got a word of wisdom and that word was shut up. Just be quiet. God didn't tell me to shut up. Don't speak. <laughs> you know, don't speak. So I stood and this guy's raving and raving and shouting. And I said, right, don't speak, don't speak. I, had, I said, it's not very difficult not to speak. But I stood there and bit my tongue and bit my tongue. And he just kept on going. But the longer I was silent, the crazier he got. Until he started to actually move. He just flipped. And he started to move like, you know, weird. And then all the youth stepped back and thought, man, he's, he's weird. Amen. <laughs> Two occasions, both of which miracles were needed. And they weren't only needed, they were needed now, instantly. And in both occasions, I can tell you from personal experience, the answer came from above. Jesus, facing a situation, was teaching the disciples how to receive. Now, it was preceded by a simple thing like giving thanks. But it didn't stop there. Give thanks and then you've got to, to face up to God. I'm just saying, folks, how spiritual actually are you? And when you're faced with a crisis, what is it that comes out? Is it carnality? Is it an I can do attitude? I know that's good in one sense. But not in this instance. It's God that can do. Amen? Right? It's God that we're looking to come through us. It's God that we're receiving sight from in order to do. I told you about my dad. My father was a, a, a godly individual. He was not like you. Not a tongue-talking, Bible-believing Christian like we are. We would look at my dad and you might think, you know, you were maybe better than him in some way, stronger than him, closer to God than him. Because he was a simple Catholic, but a very godly Catholic and close to God, very, very good man. But once when I was a child, I was playing on the floor on my back in our kitchen and I picked up a pepper pot and just as I was playing, I, I, I turned it over and the top came off the pot 
And all the pepper went straight into my eye and I screamed. And my dad, <laughs> my dad came out, right? We lived in a very big house, like three, four floors. My dad came out, looked at me, and I was thinking, praise God, he's going to go and get water. And the kitchen's right here, the tap's right there. But faced with a crisis, right at that moment, you know what he did? He ran upstairs. And he left me squealing on the floor. And I can remember as a little boy thinking, where are you going? <laughs> There's the tap, help me. Upstairs. And I had to writhe in agony and pain and wait for him to come down. And I remember with one eye looking, thinking, what are you doing? And in he came with holy water. And he came with a bottle of holy water. You can laugh, born again, Pentecostal, tongue-talking Christian. But let me tell you something. When faced with a crisis, his first thought was not the natural tap. His first thought was God and God alone will heal this situation. I am not going for the carnal answer. I'm not going for the natural thing. I will bring God in in the only way he knew how. What would you do? Tap. <laughs> it has to be God. And that's the lesson here in the, in the parable. And that's why it was repeated. Because they didn't see it. Do you know what? If you're looking at any situation in your life, a crisis, a miracle need, and you're trying to figure it out yourself, you're trying to use your own smarts to solve it, physically, spiritually, financially, whatever. Do you know what God calls you? Blind. Blind. That's why he said to the Pharisees, you're all blind. He didn't mean physically, did he? Because they could all see, right? What was he talking about? He was talking about this. That there they were walking in, in, in some form of godliness, but no power in it because there was none of God's sight in it, if you like. They weren't receiving from their father. You need to look up. In every situation, look up and receive from God. Receive, receive sight for any situation you find yourself in. First thing Jesus tells them then, appreciate what you have. Take another look at your life. Start to give thanks for it as he did. The second thing he did was he taught them to look up, not to despise the simple things that they had. And the third thing, Jesus teaches them to speak positively over what they've got. We've done a little bit of teaching recently about positive speech and about watching our tongue, but I don't want you to get the wrong idea of that. Speaking positively doesn't mean that you never have to declare something that is negative, right? For instance, I said the other day, I, I was talking with someone right here, and we were talking about a certain person. And I said, um, yeah, you know, trying to work with so-and-so, they're very depressed. And the, the person turned to me and said, oh, sh you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said they're depressed. You've got to declare that. I said, no, hang on, they are depressed. <laughs> said, no, but you shouldn't say that. You're supposed to speak positive. I said, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. That's not it. You've gone into hyperfaith there. Come back a minute. That, 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 it's not going to work. That's not going to work because there's nothing beneath your feet. Faith never denies reality, right? You say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. And you're sick. No, it's okay to say you're sick. You're not reinforced, but you are understanding it. You're accepting it. In Romans 4, verse 19, do you know what it says this? The Bible's example of faith is Abraham. And what did Abraham do? It says that Abraham not denying. 
that Sarah was old and barren. Abraham, not denying the reality that she was, he, he wasn't asked to tell a lie, right? That's hopeless. Abraham, not denying the reality of the situation. So I was saying, he is depressed. Abraham was saying, no, no, she is old and barren. But yet I believe above that. That's where real faith lies. Amen? And Jesus did that. It says that he lifted up the bread, understanding the situation, accepting the situation, and then he spoke positively into that situation. And that is just a different thing. Of course, watch your speech. I'm not saying to run off negatively, nothing of the sort. I'm just saying don't be afraid to accept the reality of any crisis or situation you might find yourself in. Three very simple step-by-step uh, solutions to everyday problems that you face. I, just, I challenge you and I challenge myself. In the miracles that I'm seeking God for, do I appreciate the little? I need millions, tens of millions of pounds right now. We need to purchase a large facility in this city. Then we need to fund, I've asked God for a hundred pastors right here in this city to help us cope with the different nations and cultures. We need a fortune. But if I am not going to respect the penny, and this is prophetic, you know, this is twice today Pastor Eli has brought out different points that we've been talking about. So, let, you know, open your spiritual ears. Amen. Don't, don't ignore it. If I don't appreciate every little thing, then I may never break through. Jesus warns me, get that bread. Gather it up. Bring it to me. Secondly, I've got to, to look on to God he is my source. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence my help comes from, right? It comes from the Lord. And he, you see, when Jesus was in that situation, I think what was happening is his father was giving him the vision of what was going to be, what was just about to happen. He lifted it up and somehow faith enters and you see the thing not the same. You, you've crossed that line. You've entered the spiritual mind. He changed that natural thinking, right? Something happens when you connect to God in that way. Give thanks. In your situation, remember the Lord. And thirdly, of course, he, he spoke positively and he spoke in that miracle. Amen. Simple steps, but ones we so easily miss. Amen? Amen. Amen. I invite the worship team back. Let's just stand and pray Hallelujah. these truths into our lives. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we ask for miracles even as we prayed I know Gordon prayed a few Fridays ago that this place, miracles would happen. We'd see the dead raised. We'd see healing and operation. And indeed, you've told us. You told them to gather up the bread. You told us to raise the dead. You told us to heal the sick. And God, that requires us to obey. Amen. Required us to do exactly that. I pray you would change our thinking. God, help us. Remind us of these truths. And from this night on, may we not look back, but in every situation, number one, we give you thanks. Amen. I thank you for the money in our pockets, Amen. even if it's very little. Yes, thank you for it, Lord. Yes, and in every situation, we, we remember to lift up our eyes Hallelujah. and to receive from you the answer for our relatives that are lost, for any financial need, for any sickness Hallelujah. we might have. And God set a, a guard over the door of my mouth and we would remember to speak positively and bless and not curse. In Jesus' name.